This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham became the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah became the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez became the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab. Amminadab became the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz became the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed became the father of Jesse, Jesse the father of David, the king. David became the father of Solomon, whose mother had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon became the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asaph. Asaph became the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Yoram, Yoram the father of Uzziah. Uzziah became the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah became the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amos, Amos the father of Josiah. Josiah became the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the Babylonian exile. After the Babylonian exile, Jeconiah became the father of Shiltiel, Shiltiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abiud. Abiud became the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok. Zadok became the father of Achim, Achim the father of Eliud, Eliud the father of Eleazar. Eleazar became the father of Nathan, Nathan the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Of her was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. Thus, the total number of generations from Abraham to David is 14 generations, from David to the Babylonian exile, 14 generations, from the Babylonian exile to the Christ, 14 generations. Now, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. For it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took his wife into his home. He had no relations with her until she bore a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Christmas is the beginning of the feast of our salvation. The one and only Savior of the world is Jesus Christ, who came to this world about 2,000 years ago to save us. This Mass is meant to remind us of that as we begin this season, which is just over two weeks long. The Gospel reading we just heard is the genealogy of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. I think some of you will remember this. For some of you, it may be new. 
that's not a genealogy the way we would write a genealogy, ideally scientifically today. It's a genealogy, the scripture writers weren't pretending to do that. It's an ancient Near Eastern genealogy inspired by the Holy Spirit, Christians believe, to tell us the story of salvation, of how God has loved this fallen, sinful world. The people who wrote that genealogy were entirely aware, as any faithful Jewish or Christian person is, that this world was originally created totally in union with God. God created this world because God wanted to share love. Human beings and the images from Genesis are perfect to open our minds to what we can't understand in detail, but the truth. Human beings were created to live eternally. We were created to live and love in God, to love one another, to be people of integrity, and we were created free. Human beings were created with the freedom to say yes to love and life in God, or to say no to love and life in God. Somehow in our origins, we freely chose to say no to God. That's what we call the fall of humanity. It's a very fallen world, a very sinful world, in which you even, if you even have a desire to believe in God, if you look around this planet and see how people treat one another and see the realities of sickness and death, you have to grasp a loving God could never have created this mess. The truth is, a loving God did not create this mess. A loving God created a perfect world, perfect love, in which we, by saying no to God, inherited this mess. That story of that genealogy is the story of how much God has always loved this sinful, fallen world. It starts with Abraham, whom Jewish and Christian people would see as our father in faith, and it takes about 2,000 years of God's reaching out through our Jewish ancestors, constantly still loving the world that rejects God. If you read through that genealogy, you see some people of real faith, people who do say yes to God, people who are just, people who are loving, people who hear God in their lives and do say yes to God. But if you read through that genealogy, you much more see the sinfulness of human beings. If you read through that genealogy, you're reminded of people in the scripture, in the Old Testament, who are idolatrous and godless, people who commit incest, people who are abusive, people who trick one another, who deceive one another. If you read through those names and just say, well, who is this person in the Old Testament? You see people who are bloodthirsty, who are violent, who are oppressive to their own people, to God's people. You see miserable, sinful people who do terrific damage to themselves and to other people. And you see some people who are a mix, people who are weak but try to do the right thing sometimes. You see people who are grave sinners who actually do some very virtuous things. And you also see some people that you don't know anything about. It's just the name. We have no idea who these people are. You wouldn't even think about them. Into all of this, so I hope you get this. This is a fallen, sinful world. I hope if you pay attention to that genealogy, you can identify. I hope you can identify with some of the holy people, but I hope you can identify with the sinful people and the mixed people. 
I hope you get that death is the end of the story unless God saves us. It's a sinful, fallen world, and it ends in death unless we're saved. So that's why that's my favorite Christmas reading, that gospel reading, because the perfect time is when Jesus comes. That whole genealogy is to point to the end, which is Jesus. 14 generations, 14, I think again, some of you remember this, 14 generations, 14 generations, 14 generations, but if you actually read the passage, it's not 14. It's like the authors are saying, pay attention, it's not 14, 14, 14. When Jesus comes, it is. 14 is the Hebrew number for perfection times two. 14, 14, 14 adds up to 42. If you divide 42 by six, it comes to seven, which is perfection, which is the new seventh day, the new creation. When not through that genealogy, but through the woman at the end, Mary, someone completely new comes to save everyone who has come before. Jesus Christ is the one and only Son of God who comes at the perfect time in the history of this world to save us. He's completely unexpected. Man, 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 bang, a woman, and he's a complete surprise. Nobody on this planet, including our Jewish ancestors, had any expectation of the way that God actually did save this world. God so loved this world that in the fullness of time, God became a human being. Imagine if you were gonna save the world, you know, blow up all the evil people, hold up all the holy people, make people follow the rules suddenly, but you couldn't do that, respecting human freedom. At the perfect time, God became a human being and lived a fully human life. And as an adult, went into other people's lives and offered himself, offered love, offered for people to get to know him and make the free choice, you get this, to say yes or no, the final opportunity to become what we originally were. Jesus Christ, the adult Jesus Christ, the baby who's born at Christmas, lives a fully human life, and he makes the choice to say yes to God as a human being. He offers himself as an adult to people. He offers nothing but love, and people can say yes, or people can say no. They ultimately so say no, the ribbon is kind of in the middle there, that they crucify him, and he continues to say yes to God. He continues to love in the midst of the ultimate sin and fallenness of the world, and he finally, through that, defeats sin and death itself. He breathes himself through the Holy Spirit from the moment a person is baptized to offer us salvation. Who would have, no one imagined this. No one imagined the way the world would be saved is that God would become one of us, offer us himself, breathe himself into us, and allow us to choose to say yes by becoming him. Jesus Christ is the savior of the world. 
the baby who's born at Christmas. The image of the baby is so wonderful in so many ways. God comes and doesn't bang anyone out of the planet. God is born as a child. God offers himself through that child gently to everybody. But I would really encourage you to remember when you see a, I'm pointing to the crush, by the way, when you see a baby, if you love the baby, you ask the question, who are you? A baby is a baby, right? I think many of you have done this with your own kids, with any kids you love. You look at the baby and you say, I want to know who you are. You will only know who the baby is when the baby becomes mature, when the baby becomes an adult. The same with the baby Jesus. If you're at all attracted to the baby Jesus, the question of Christmas 2022 is who are you? And the only way you get the answer is if you get to know him, the real Jesus, as an adult. I'm very grateful as your pastor to be in a community in which so many of you have asked that question, continue to ask it, and week by week, day by day, are really trying to get to know Jesus more and more and to put his love into practice. I have never experienced salvation growing in any community in which I've lived more than in this community. So many people of all kinds who ask Jesus, who are you, and get to work trying to allow him to grow in them for salvation to become real. So this feast is the feast of the beginning of our salvation, and I invite you to enter into the grace of this season as deeply as you can. I'll give you two concluding thoughts. Many, many people in this community prepared for this Christmas season by living Advent. The truth is, God owns time. The season begins tonight. It goes this year through January 6th, 9th, it's 16 days, whatever that is up to. You've been preparing spiritually to welcome in that grace and to cooperate with it. If you lived Advent, thank you, what I encourage you to do is now drop yourself and just be open to the grace of Christmas. No more self-analysis, no more self-reflection. One day at a time for 16 days, give yourself the gift of thanking God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit for the grace of this season, to talk to him directly about your desire to have him be reborn in you and to leave it at that, to make this the simplest, most focused openness to the grace of the rebirth of Jesus in you. If you haven't been living Advent, if you haven't been living as a Christian at all, if someone just dragged you in here today, I'm very grateful that you're here, and I encourage you to consider doing something in the next upcoming year. The something I encourage you to consider is, if you, have e if you believe, or if you even want to believe, that Jesus is the Savior of the world, when someone gives you a gift, if you really love that person, you give. That's how you know love is alive in you. Consider giving Jesus and yourself the gift of the next six months. You cannot live with him as your savior unless you continue to get to know him and put into practice trying to live his love. I invite you to consider just for six months, week by week, whether it's in this parish or in another parish, giving him yourself week by week, Sunday by Sunday, to let him in. And if it's appropriate for you, to receive him in the Eucharist. 
Six months is half a year. It's a controllable period of time. The next six months in the church, we'll live through some of the story of Jesus. We'll live through the huge gift of Lent, where he offers us to be purified. We'll live through the story of his passion, death, and resurrection. And we'll be offered the grace of the Easter season. If you have any inclination, and you're very far away from Jesus, at this Christmas, that this grace may be real, that he may be the Savior, give yourself to him for six months and see what the results are. It's the perfect time. You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.